0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. He is the Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer of, among others, John Lewis, Bush 41, Papa Bush, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson... A twofer in Franklin and Winston, and now John Meacham has just published, and there was light Abraham Lincoln and the American Struggle. Hey John, thanks so much for being here. I really am enjoying the book i can't tell you I've finished it, but I'm well on my way.
1: well, i won't tell you how it ends.
0: Uh, I know how it ends. Uh, I need to say this and and I guess my credibility. In this regard to make this statement is that books arrive here daily from all the big publishing houses. It's not only well written, as I would expect from John Meacham, but it's beautifully produced. I don't remember saying this about a a book unless it's a coffee table book, but it's it's just so nicely packaged. The photographs have a certain uh, clarity and color that I'm unaccustomed to seeing. The cover is great. It's just it's a nice package.
1: Well thank you. Yeah, uh, Random House has been my publisher now going on a quarter of a century. Uh I am uh, hopelessly monogamous. Uh and um, uh, they've always done done right by me. And um you know, it's a subject that's worthy of the the highest attention to detail. Uh, Lincoln is the man who confronted the gravest crisis in our history. Uh we're living through our own uh at the moment, but He guided us through, and we have a lot to learn from him.
0: I I guess I could have asked this question, and it would be as foolish in the context of Jefferson, Jackson, Bush 41, and the others you've written about. But the Lincoln subject, it has been so heavily traveled. What made even John Meacham think you could add value?
1: I wanted to know not just how he did it, but why. And, you know, David McCullough, uh, of blessed memory, used Mm. to say that if you couldn't find the book you wanted to read, that was a good test about one you might want to write. And I am an enormous uh, admirer of of the Lincoln canon and so many marvelous people who uh, passed and and living who are, are working on it. But I wanted to answer this question of what did Lincoln believe about the moral imperative of politics, and to what extent did his struggle to do the right thing, what, you know, was he able to do that? Uh, Did he fail more often than he succeeded? Did he succeed more often than he failed? And I think that's a mirror, too, for us, uh, because it's the same struggle we all go through day in and day out, decade to decade, generation to generation.
0: Well, and part of that, what I've learned from you thus far is that he saw slavery as a sin for which God was responding, that God was was punishing us through what he was bearing witness to because of our history.
1: It was a, it's a fascinating moment, isn't it? Uh, and I hadn't quite read the second inaugural in that way until I, until I did this. But he believed and said on March 4th, 1865, to one of the first integrated crowds and in, American history. Frederick Douglass was there, among among others. That slavery might it might require that every drop of blood that had been brought forth by the lash might have to be answered by blood brought forth by the sword. So he's explicitly saying, from the steps of the Capitol, that there is a divine force who is particularly interested in the unfolding history of this nation. And we had to do everything we could to live in accord with the laws of love and forbearance and tolerance that had been handed down. And that's what democracy is. Uh, Democracy is being willing, not just to take, but to give.
0: He was well-schooled in the King James Bible, that I also know from you. Was was he a deeply religious person?
1: Not in any way a conventional Christian. Uh, right. He was deeply interested in human nature. Uh, some people have argued that he was a fatalist, that is, that he thought that everything uh, was preordained and, and would happen no matter what. Um uh, I'm a skeptic about that. I I think that if you don't believe ultimately in human agency, why would you seek to become one of the greatest human agents ever? Um, And it might be that Providence knows what we're going to do, but we don't. Uh, That's certainly – that's a nuance within that. But he did believe that there was a divine force uh, beyond our senses, and we got intimations of it. He once said, my ancient faith, my ancient faith teaches me that all men are created equal. So he grounded the American secular tradition in the Declaration of Independence. And he had this biblical understanding, almost a, uh, it's coming out of the Hebrew Bible, this notion of time moving in sequence, that history had a beginning, it has a middle, And it will one day have an end. And what matters is, what do we do with the
0: middle? We all learned about the Lincoln-Douglas debates, about which you write the following, elements of his debates with Douglas make for painful reading. In speaking Mm -hmm. to a white electorate in 1858, Lincoln offered a morally informed anti-slavery argument, but did not assert that black people could become fully empowered citizens. He was a campaigner who believed that the public sentiment he so respected tended to be best shaped gradually. Not a preacher, but a politician. Not a full-time reformer, but an office seeker. He calibrated his case in 1858 with care. Will you expand on that?
1: He made statements that when we read them, uh, we see elements of white supremacy, we see elements of uh, clearly racist thought. Uh, he did believe, as you as you note, that black Americans were included in the Declaration of Independence. But he did not take the step that we wish he would have taken, which was that, therefore, there had to be an egalitarian future, that you know what John Lewis and Dr. King thought of as the beloved community, what what we like to think of as a a more perfect union, a, a, a society where the color or skin color is not determinative. He didn't quite get there uh, and and may not have gotten there uh, even by the time he, he, he got to Ford's Theater. Where he did get was that he was an advocate of emancipation. He used all the power of the federal government that he possibly could to preserve a union. But it was not a union that was simply the union for the union's sake. Right? That that that's I think that's a misimpression people have. Defending the union was in many ways to keep alive the possibility that slavery would end. Imagine if he had let the union break up and the enslaved in the South had spent Many more decades in captivity. We don't know what would have happened there. And so, as Lincoln said, I may not move quickly, but I don't move backward. Uh, he was on this ongoing journey. That is not, Michael, let me be clear, that is not to excuse what he said that is morally suspect. And we do ourselves no favors if we look up at Lincoln adoringly or try to turn him into Martin Luther King in a stovepipe hat, right? Okay, I'm to, not saying that.
0: To, to your point, one page later, quote, again, by the way, John Meacham, the book is, And There Was Light, Abraham Lincoln and the American Struggle, quote, that he did not seek political or social equality between whites and blacks and his occasional use of the N-word, including in the debates with Douglas raised difficult questions about Lincoln's own views on race. However deep his anti-slavery commitment, he was a white man in a white-dominated nation shaped by anti-black prejudice that he, to some extent, shared. Okay, so now, John Meacham, I go back to the question that caused you to write this book. So what was really motivating him?
1: He believed that slavery had to be put on a path to ultimate extinction, he did not believe that slavery was the right system. He did not believe in uh, that human beings could be property. By ending slavery, uh, he believed he was striking a blow for that moral universe. And in doing so, he helped create the conditions for what became.
0: smirconish netsuite.com slash smirconish netsuite.com slash smirconish if you're like me it's now the end of the day and you say
1: Listen to Michael Live, weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app.
0: If I were to poll my audience, and they're, they're pretty sophisticated, and say four score and seven years ago was a reference to mm-hmm. what? I think a large number would say the Constitution. Would they be correct?
1: They would not, but let's not let's not criticize them. Uh, <laughs> uh, four score and seven years ago takes us to 1776. Uh, he believed, Lincoln believed, that the the founding of the country was the declaration that it set up a maxim a standard which, to which we must strive uh, in some ways the declaration was our mission statement and the constitution was our user's guide and he he believed that the declaration had primacy that if we did not believe that people were created equal then we could not pursue democracy we could not pursue popular government because if there are different standards of people if if people are not equal then how can you have the rule of the people
0: this is a 676 page book with lots of footnotes i point that out because it had to have been a years long project if i didn't if i hadn't seen the the girth of the book i might say John Meacham probably started to write this looking at the events of January 6th, but I would have been wrong, right?
1: You would be wrong, but uh, I would also, uh, to be totally honest, there's no question that uh, the events of our time inform uh, what I wrote, uh, because. Biographers, as you know, um, cannot be somehow separated from from reality. I was struck. I did not know uh, until I was doing this that we damn near had uh, a similar kind of scandal uh, crisis over decertification of the electoral vote in 1861. Uh, And John C. Breckinridge, uh, whom Lincoln had defeated in the presidential race of 1860, was a Mike Pence figure. He was someone who disagreed fundamentally with Lincoln politically. Uh, Breckinridge would become a Confederate officer, a Confederate official. And yet he had sworn an oath to the Constitution, and he insisted that he would do his duty and would count the electoral votes. Winfield Scott fortified the Capitol. Uh, Policemen from New York, Baltimore, and Philadelphia came down, uh, were mixed in the crowd to make sure that order was kept. Uh, Lincoln, interestingly, saw – he was being warned that he might be killed on the way. Of course, there were plots uh, on his way from Springfield to Washington. He was being warned that the inauguration could be disrupted. He saw – because he was a lawyer – he saw and said, I think that our greatest point of danger will be the counting of the electoral votes because that was a constitutional process uh, by which uh, the election could be thrown into chaos. And so, you know, we we see again, uh, you know, I I don't think we're on the verge of a civil war that would kill 750,000 people. Uh, But I do know we're living through a period of civil chaos with episodic violence and with competing visions of reality. And I know that Abraham Lincoln was a man before he was a monument And he, with Frederick Douglass and the innumerable uh, enslaved people and the the black men who fought for the Union Army, they preserved this experiment, which, however imperfect, is still, as Lincoln said, the last best hope.
0: One final question about the book and one additional question, if you'll indulge me, John Meacham. Uh, Did he die knowing the significant role that he had played? I don't think
1: so. I think that you know he had, the Thirteenth Amendment had passed in late January, uh, a remarkable achievement. He ran on the Thirteenth Amendment in eighteen sixty four. Was willing to risk everything uh, for the federal abolition of, of slavery. One of the one of, this is one of the reasons to do this, and the reason I say I don't think he quite did is in his wallet when he was shot at Ford's Theater were a series of newspaper clippings positive notices, if you will, as the Victorians might say, people who had written nice things about him. And he'd clipped them out and carried them in his wallet. Mm. And I think I have the sense that it was a bit of reassurance that in the maelstrom of the present, he wanted to know that people like John Bright, the English reformer, and, and other people thought he was doing the right thing.
0: Final question. It's about you. How hard? I mean, this is remarkable. How hard to traverse the worlds of writing about history, writing about presidential history and playing such a direct role. I mean, we, we know from the published accounts, you're one of the people in the room. If the president is gathering historians, you're influential relative to the words that he'll speak. I think you had a direct hand in that recent speech at Independence Hall in in Philadelphia. Does, does it pose any conflicts? I mean, speak to me about that. Conflict, how? Uh, I don't know. Maybe conflict that it would seem like maybe John Meacham someday is going to want to write about Joe Biden.
1: Oh, no, I'm not going to write about President Biden. Uh, President Biden's my friend. Uh, he uh, is carrying an immense burden for all of us. Uh, I am not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I voted for presidential candidates of, b- of both parties. But. I believe that what he is trying to do is preserve the constitutional order. He's trying to save us from autocratic, illiberal, undemocratic, lowercase D forces. And so, if I can be of help to him, I believe it's. Uh, I don't miss. I don't want to sound grandiose, but I believe I have a duty to do so. Uh, I've never been compensated for it. I'm, this is public service to me. Um, no, I, I don't I, – I see the unfolding story of our time as – I believe it is as consequential as anything since the 1850s with the possible exception of the crisis of democracy and in cap- crisis of faith in capitalism in the 1930s. And so I'm a big believer in the biblical injunction to whom much is given, much is expected. I've been very fortunate in my life. And if I can help out, I'm going to help out.
0: Uh, here's a quote from the speech to which I referred. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. It's it's kind of written in in similar prose to what I'm getting from, and then there was light.
1: Well, presidential speeches, as you know, are are often uh, team efforts. Uh, So uh, I believe that um, I believe the president is seeking to define the stakes of the contest, not just midterm elections, but the unfolding contest in illuminating and instructional terms. And I, again, he's my friend, and uh, I believe that we stand at a very important point. Uh, I was looking at I me, mean, I'm sure you do this. But I was looking at these poll numbers today. You know, the 70% of people who have very, have faith, lack, of, less faith in democracy, that there are threats to democracy. That's a huge number. And democracy doesn't mean you agree with me or I agree with you on 100% of policy. What it does mean is that we see politics as a mediation of differences, not as an occasion for total war. And you obey the rules. And if you win, you win humbly. If you lose, you lose graciously.
0: And, and John, I've spent the better part of the first two hours of the program today talking about that polling data and also, bemoaning the fact that in many voters' minds, it's still the economy. To which I say, we're not going to have to worry about the economy if we don't resolve the fundamental issues of democracy. Congratulations on the book; it is called "And There Was Light." I'm thoroughly, as I say, enjoying it because I'm halfway through, uh, but it's really well done, and I'm not surprised by that. Really so, thank you, it. Well, thank you for coming coming by to discuss it. Thank you, John Meacham. Uh, he is the Pulitzer Prize winner and the book is terrific and this audience will love it. I have no doubt.
1: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live
0: weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app.
1: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Meet Stacy.